0: Hello and welcome to the Medjly's podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Paneer, host of the Medjly's and author of the weekly Central Asia in Focus newsletter. Today's topic, Uzbekistan, hosted a conference on Afghanistan on July 26th with representatives of the Taliban in, att- in attendance along with delegations from more than 20 other countries. The arrangement with the Taliban has been a big issue with Central Asia for quite some time uh, since the Taliban returned to power last year in August. Uh, this conference was billed as a, a big event, and it was a big event. Unfortunately, a lot of the, the coverage went to, to what the big powers had to say, specifically the U.S., and and uh, also what Russia had to say about that. But what, what do the Central Asians think about the new rulers, for lack of a better word, of Afghanistan, and, and how are they trying to engage with these countries? Why is it important to them? And, and and how can they move forward and progress with their own goals with the Taliban and government in, in Afghanistan? To talk about these topics and more, uh, I am joined today by Jennifer Murtazashvili, associate professor, director of the Center for Governance and Markets at the University of Pittsburgh, and currently the president of Central Eurasian Studies Society. Timur Amara, fellow at Carnegie Endowment for the International for International Peace and the OSCE Academy. Akram Umarov, no relation, uh, director of the Center for Afghanistan Studies at the University of World Economy and Diplomacy. And Akram, you were at the conference, so I want to start with you first. You know, as, as I mentioned, when we were talking before the show. Unfortunately, too much of the headlines were about what the U.S. position was on the Taliban having a government, or what Russian criticism was of the U.S. and its allies in 20 years in Afghanistan, and uh, who was going to recognize the government of the of Afghan uh, Taliban as the government of Afghanistan and when, but but there was certainly other discussions there. I mean, topics, constructive topics, uh, you know, how can they interact with each other? What does Afghanistan need? Can you ta- tell me a little bit about the atmosphere at the conference and, and what, some, what some of the main constructive topics of discussion were?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm very glad to be part of this very important uh, session. So I would say, The first thing which I noticed and I think which is a very big success of this conference that the fact that Uzbekistan decided to invite not just some representatives of the countries but exactly special representatives dealing with Afghanistan. So these are the people who work on Afghanistan on a daily basis. They know all the details, what's happening, what's going on on the ground in this country. And they interact both uh, with each other and with... Taliban representatives quite often. And that's why it gave the conference opportunity to discuss the issues related to Afghanistan in a very nuanced way. Uh, the second, the fact that during the meeting, of course, it was a kind of usual agenda when, when each country has, a, has five to ten minutes to, to make an official statement. But uh, I I noticed, despite all these existing problems in relation, we know what kind of disagreement the Taliban has with international community about about, uh, protection of uh, human rights, especially women women's rights, children's rights, and also media freedom and inclusivity of their government. Despite all this rhetoric, the, the, the audience, the representatives of the countries expressed solidarity in terms of continuous support to Afghanistan, humanitarian support to Afghanistan. So they, they, they said that they are still pledged to continue to support the country and um, to help people to overcome the current challenges which are they facing. And uh, also noticeable that all Central Asian countries were represented. And I think it's one of the rare moments when the event was kind of stimulated, motivated, or initiated by big powers. Uh, but my either it was, it was, uh, it, it originated from the region itself. So it was initiative of Uzbekistan, uh, supported by regional countries. Then it got it went beyond the region uh, by invitation of other representatives.
0: Excellent. And thank you for making that point that this was a regional initiative and not something, you know, we, we saw in the 1990s. Uh, every time they had to talk about Afghanistan, they had the six plus two and, and everything. But this was always really driven by some of the, the big outside powers. So it's it's important to note that this was Uzbekistan that, that, brought, that organized this and, and arranged for all this to happen. Jennifer, if I could ask you then, what, what if... What do the Central Asian governments now see when they look south over the border? I mean, we, we, as I just mentioned, in the 1990s, it was, uh, you know, the, the governments, with the exception of, of Turkmenistan, um, were generally hostile toward the Taliban government. They, they, to some extent, this might be understandable because the, the Central Asian governments were themselves very young. When the Taliban took control of Kabul, the Central Asian states had only been independent for five years. It was civil war in Tajikistan and involved uh, an Islamic opposition group at the time. I mean, the, there was lots of reason for them to be concerned and, and worry about what, what might happen with a group like the Taliban showing up. But but the the reaction this time, and. Engagement is very different. Um, what what do the Central Asians see when they look south? What what do they what do they hope they can gain by by having establishing some kind of dialogue with the Taliban, as opposed to the policies of the nineteen nineties?
2: A great question, Bruce. And and I should also say that it's an honor to be here with you and and such esteemed guests. You know, it, it's a really interesting time. It's an interesting time to see that you know how how do central asian states perceive what's going on in afghanistan i think it depends on which country you're you're talking about and i think the one that we're really focused on here in this discussion given the recent conference is uzbekistan we can also talk about tajikistan as well but uzbekistan and tajikistan are sort of the two main players on the border region. Turkmenistan, as we know, is this neutral country. It is engaging with the Taliban. It's engaged pretty much with everybody on Afghanistan. So hard to say where the strategic direction of, of, of uh, Turkmenistan is going here, although they are open to engagement, I think, as they always have been to some extent. Um, Uzbekistan sees real possibilities. I think that. They saw a lot of chaos over the past twenty years. And especially as time went on, as the war went on, as the United States, you know continued to struggle in Afghanistan, I think Uzbekistan was very worried about chaos, and they hope that the Taliban can control that. and And I think Uzbekistan's interest is really economic. Um, it is primarily economic. Of course, it is security. It is, it is the hope that, that economic engagement can bring security and stability to the country. So I, I would say, of course, Uzbekistan is very concerned about uh, militant and militant activities. And I would talk a lot about that. But we've, we've known that for a very long time. That is not new. And Uzbekistan's dialogue and conversations with Afghan authorities, whether they be, you know, of the Republic or of the Taliban, uh, focus on that quite extensively but what hasn't gotten enough attention i think you know over these past 20 years is something that tashkent was very interested in which is the expansion of trade trade routes uh, you know economic opportunities the potential of even railroad construction going south and so with the taliban in control and the hope that the taliban can bring some kind of stability to Afghanistan, some kind of enduring security stability, that these economic dreams will be, um, you know, come to fruition. Now, Tajikistan, on the other hand, has a very different view. Uh, I think they're viewing the the change in authority with greater apprehension. But of course, uh, you know, they they were closely aligned with uh, the Northern Alliance, uh, the so-called Northern Alliance, uh, you know, that is primarily led by uh, Tajiks and other there is no there is no majority group in Afghanistan, so you can never say the ethnic minorities. They are not minority groups. They're, there is no majority group, but the, the Uzbeks and the Tajiks primarily, and, uh, you know, we've seen some changes along, um, uh, you know, we saw it wasn't really until this past summer, or the summer of 2020, where the government of Tajikistan became very vehemently supportive of um, the Tajik opposition, they hosted Ahmed Massoud, who is the son of Ahmed Shah Massoud. It, the, the president of Tajikistan gave awards to Rabani and to Ahmed Shah Massoud pos- posthumously as a way to recognize these strong ties. Now, the, the Tajiks haven't um, had this, you know, the, the strong uh, economic vision that, that the Uzbeks have had, but of course, they're a much smaller economy and they are very concerned about the security situation. Now, why now? Why now? Why is this more important than ever? I think. Why is this change in vision? Look at the the changes in the um, with, with Russia. I think this is a really in, increasingly pressing issue uh, for all of the Central Asian republics, including Kazakhstan. Uh, Kazakhstan um, also wants alternatives to Russia. So, as a Central Asian state, I think Kazakhstan is more than happy. To have Uzbekistan and and be part of these dialogues that engage the Taliban to find alternative trade routes south, whether those go to, um, you know, through Afghanistan to Pakistan and then on to India, but there's also uh, routes uh, to Iran as well that we can talk about.
0: Great. Thank you. And and, and, Tamura, I'd like like to hear your views on some of this too. I mean, what are some of the, the ties that bind and what are some of the signs that we see now of Central Asia still keeping connected to Afghanistan since the Taliban have come to power?
3: Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure um, and an honor. I would uh, like to say that Uzbekistan is not conducting this kind of event f- for the first time. It's it's um, already have become a, a regular practice that you know Uzbekistan wants to be seen, and, and actually, I would say, is uh, a country that is leading uh, right now the world in you know, solving the Afghan crisis. Uh, Because when the Taliban came to power in, uh, you know, August 2021, uh, Central Asia was um you know um had had this um two two uh, ways of of acting they could have uh not recognized taliban they could have closed the borders and and shut everything and and just ignore uh the changes that are happening um in the uh, neighboring country and on the other hand they could uh, try to integrate Afghanistan into uh, Central Asia, and uh, what we're seeing right now is that the second, you know, way is is uh, becoming a reality, um, and it's really, um, I would say, the only uh, way out that that can really solve uh, the Afghan crisis, because unlike. Russia or China. What is different in Uzbekistan's approach towards Afghanistan is that both Moscow and Beijing want Afghanistan to um, Afghanistan's um, chaotic situation to stay inside uh, Afghanistan's borders. But Uzbekistan wants to change it. it. Uzbekistan doesn't want chaos at all. Uzbekistan wants to see, um, you know, developing country. Um, uh, with uh, you know economic development um, and uh, really uh, strong ties with all other neighbors, including Central Asia, um, and and that is the most different part in the approaches that many actually say are very different. But um, I would argue that they are not, um, and here. Um, I think Uzbekistan has already achieved uh, some sort of success. Um, first of all, uh, we see that uh, you know, trade is going on between um, Afghanistan and through Afghan territory. We see that Afghan side is ready to uh, cooperate, uh, they are ready to listen to what uh, Central Asian countries uh, want from them. They're uh, saying that, you know, they kind of fight the violence and stuff like that. But it's really uh, difficult from uh, Central Asian side to kind of have the freedom of maneuver, I would say, uh, because uh, Taliban right now is really is kind of the only group of people that are able to promise anything from the Afghan side, because there is no other a uh, group of people that can uh, promise anything like that or, you know, have uh, total control over the uh, situation in Afghanistan. And that is why uh, Uzbekistan's position here is that, you know, we don't get to choose our neighbors and we have to deal with uh, what we've got and, and to make the best out of the objective situation. And and they're doing their best to, you know, reach this, this goal.
0: Uh, thank you very much. And if I could just follow up with that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to Akram with the same question in just a second too. Uh, you know, you mentioned that that in fact, you know, this is not the first Afghan or conference on Afghanistan that that Tashkent has hosted, and it's not the first time the Taliban have has sent an official delegation to something like this. In the summer of August 2019, I believe they sent a delegation that visited uh, the ancient Silk Road cities as, long, as well as Tashkent. At that same time, but there's there's a more local level of cooperation going on which doesn't exist with the other Central Asian states right like uh, government delegations between Turkmenistan and and Afghan uh, Taliban representatives have been going on too. but along the border there's a different cooperation too am I right I mean there's there's been a lot of meetings of, of lo- provincial, even village officials along the border, unless I'm mistaken, is that correct?
1: Yeah, there is a lot of things happening on the border areas, uh, especially in Termes, which is just uh, near the border with Afghanistan. It's, it has become a kind of a hub for Uzbek-Afghan interaction and trade and cooperation. You know, in, uh, in Termes, uh, Uzbek government opened a special educational center for Afghan citizens. Yeah. The, the Afghan students' youth can, can, can be trained there for dozens of specialties. Initially, it started as a special secondary education, but now they uh, further developed it having a higher degree as undergraduate. They, they can even get undergraduate degrees, especially on, on specialties which is essential to Afghanistan, like medicine, uh, railway uh, engineering, and etc. And also, there is also a big logistical hub, which is uh, supporting both trade between Uzbekistan and Afghanistan. But now it's also actively used by international organizations, by other countries to deliver humanitarian aid to Afghanistan. So I think uh, the the interaction on both areas is, is developing very actively.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you uh, to guests, too, for for raising your hands and wanting to participate in this, too. And please feel free to do this anytime. Uh, Jennifer, I'll I'll go to you first and then to Tamur. You
2: know, I just wanted to add to this that, you know, prior to the fall of the Taliban, the perceptions of Uzbekistan in particular in Afghanistan had changed quite dramatically. You know, 15 years ago in Afghanistan, if you were to ask people about Uzbekistan or Central Asia, Many people actually couldn't differentiate between them. People had very little knowledge of what went on in those republics up north. But after Mirzioyev came to power, there was a lot more uh, commerce and business and trade and even tourism from Afghans visiting Uzbekistan. And for, I think for many, it was a model of what could be. Rather than looking to these blueprints that came in you know, from the United States, Uzbekistan became something that was nearby, close by. and even you know, to, to many of them attainable. They were buying properties, you know, starting businesses. And one of the things that really worries me, however, is since the collapse of the Taliban. and I think it's a question maybe, uh, for Akram especially, is that you know, it's very hard for many Afghans now to get visas to go to Uzbekistan. So although we're talking about incredible trade and opportunities, it's existing at this level of commerce and trade and not necessarily sort of this people to people exchanges uh, that I think that we saw uh, just a few years ago. And I'm, and I'm really concerned maybe, you know, to what extent will the Taliban, uh, will the Uzbek government allow you know, uh, those kinds of Afghans that had to flee for example, Afghanistan, or maybe want to stay in the region to have a base um, from Tashkent. So I, I do I do worry that you know much of that that strong image that came from the South, you know may change as people no longer have access to Tashkent the way that they did.
0: Great, Thank you very much. And Tamur, you wanted to uh, uh, say something?
3: Yeah, and I also wanted to uh, put this conference into a kind of broader context of what is going on in Central Asia. You know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Uzbekistan went through a major political crisis that um, it it had for years uh, that can only be compared to, um, you know, Andijan uh, 2005 in Pakistan and also the same almost the same time we had the first major incident on the um, you know um, afghan termes border uh, with the five rockets coming from um, afghan side to uh, uzbekistan's termes and uh, the fact that tashkent steel continues to cooperate with the taliban still wants to pay as much attention as it can to you know resolving this um uh, you know broader uh, question Um, I think um, it shows the, you know, dedication of um, Uzbek side that the decision to integrate Afghanistan into uh, Central Asia, the decision to pick this particular way of behaving with Afghanistan is not just, uh, you know, image or PR that many experts out there are talking about. It's real dedication to kind of long term resolving. Uh, the situation and making the uh, region a uh, more peaceful place.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great, thank you. And, and I got to the the middle uh, of the session break here in just a second, but I have one question for Akram, really quick. Um, we've talked about some of the governments who who had representatives at the conference, but Tamur mentioned a minute ago that the you know the Uzbek government has has a new way of looking at Afghanistan, as not being you know so much Central Asia and Afghanistan, but as being part of the you know, a unified space of something of like Inner Asia, which is really the view that the Asian Development Bank had when they developed their uh, Central Asia Regional Economic Cooperation Program. Was the Asian Development Bank represented there, and were there other uh, such institutions that were that participated in this conference in Tashkent?
1: I think I haven't seen them on the list of participants. I mean, ADB, World Bank, and other, but it was mainly representatives of. There were representatives of United Nations, UNAMA mission, and representatives of UN General Secretary on Afghanistan, but I haven't seen on the list the participants from international financial institutions.
0: Okay, thank you. I was just curious, because like I said, that really was the kind of ADB view of of the region was that they, they considered Central Asia and Afghanistan as, as connected historically and still connected today. And that was part of their thinking with these, the, the carrot corridors that they did. Um, okay, but we've reached the midpoint. So it's my time to do another promo bit here. So This is the Medjly's podcast, uh, and today's topic is the recent conference in Tashkent on Afghanistan uh, and and the new view that Central Asia has uh, about events in Afghanistan since the Taliban have come to power uh, and trying to create some kind of uh, a relationship with the neighbors to the south. Now, again, I am joined today by Timur Umarov, fellow at Carnegie Endowment for International Peace and the OSZ Academy. Kram Omar, Director of the Center for Afghan, Afghanistan Studies at the University of World Economy and Diplomacy, and Jennifer murtoucher Associate Professor and Director of the Center for Governance and Markets at the University of Pittsburgh, and currently the President of the Central Eurasian Studies Society. Uh, and I'm Bruce Piner, host of the Mental East Podcast. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about what, what was going on at the conference and, and how the Central Asians view the situation in Afghanistan, but let's talk about some of the complications of having to deal with this kind of situation. I don't think it's, it's, Probably stretching the truth too much to say that this is the Taliban would not be the government of choice for a lot of the Central Asian governments uh, and and probably for the Uzbek government too. And yet they're making this work as much as possible. Now, uh, Tamur, you mentioned that there was five rockets fired. From Afghan territory to ter- toward Termez, and actually that was the second the second attempt at that. There was another one in April, which uh, failed miserably. Um, but it but it does show that this group, the Islamic State of Khorasan is trying to to mess up the Taliban's relations with Uzbekistan. In fact, they have propaganda specifically targeting the Uzbek government. And strangely targeting the Tajik government, which which is hostile to the Taliban. Can you talk about some of the complications of having to deal with the Taliban? You know, there was a lot of criticism, for instance, that that Uzbekistan even had this conference at all. Uh, Certainly, former members of the Afghan, or members of the former Afghan government, uh, Ashraf Ghani's government, were not happy that this happened. Women's groups, there were women's groups that were not happy that the Taliban were able to send representatives to Uzbekistan. How difficult is it for the Uzbek government to have to engage with somebody like the Taliban,
3: Timur? yes, of course there are many obstacles and difficulties. Um, and as you said, you know it's it's. Um, ethical question of how can a country to uh, co- how can a country cooperate with the with, with Taliban who is known um, as a radical Islamist organization and they still don't say uh, you know that they are kind of no longer believe in uh, what they used to believe uh, when they first time came to power and and we still see a lot of problems with human rights um, in Afghanistan. But I should point out that many uh, criticism about Uzbekistan's approach um, is coming from far abroad, but Uzbekistan is right there. Um, It has the border with um, um, Afghanistan. And uh, if you put yourself in the shoes um, of Tashkent, you would uh, really understand that um, there is no other uh, productive ways of uh, solving uh, the situation Um, as i've already said you can of course close the borders and ignore what is going on um, in in the country but will it lead to um, any progress, uh, will it uh, be better to, you know, not send humanitarian aid, uh, cut off the economic ties and trade, uh, or uh, try to do whatever you can uh, with the, you know, instruments that you have in your hands. I, I believe that the second uh, way is more productive. Of course, I'm not saying that, that uh, the Taliban uh, is somehow... Uh, different, and they're, they don't have these uh, radical beliefs, but it is what it is, and um, Uzbekistan just uh, goes with um, um, objective facts that it has.
0: Thank you, and I agree. Thank you for making the point that you know Uzbekistan is there. It's easier for countries that are separated by hundreds, thousands of kilometers to make criticism about uh, Uzbekistan dealing with the Taliban, but it's different when you're on the border. Akram, you wanted to say something?
1: I would like to add to this that, yeah, as, as as Timur said, geography matters. You cannot ignore your geography and your neighbors. You may like them, you may not, but you have to deal with this somehow. Why it is it was also important to bring Taliban despite all this existing disagreements with them and problems in interaction, I think b- beside the official meeting which happened in the room, there were, what, what I saw during the conference, there were many side rooms for bilateral meetings. And my observation that they were very busy during the day. So uh, many uh, delegations had bilateral meetings uh, with Taliban and also with each other discussing some pressing issues. So Taliban was quite demanded during this meeting. They had very tight schedule. I haven't seen sitting... Uh, very freely and uh, enjoying their time. They were quite busy in interacting with different countries and different representatives. And uh, regarding, I I would like to also briefly, if you allow me, uh, respond to Jennifer. She had a question about people-to-people contacts and visa issues. So, uh, yes, obviously, after the uh, Taliban takeover in last August, I I assume, I, I don't have specific data, but I assume the number of visas provided to Afghan citizens reduced substantially because of this um, unclear situation in Afghanistan and how transition which happened at that time. And also, if you remember, it took Taliban more than one month to form some initial uh, government. So, of course, at that time, the interactions were quite limited. But the fact that recently Uzbekistan restored uh, air, uh, flights with Kabul. I think it's a sign that actually there is a lot of interaction happened. So, if these flights were not com- commercially viable, they would not uh, be um, flying between the countries, and it is operated by Afghan company. And I think there is uh, the, the now situation is much better. So I, as me, I mean, a lot of uh, visas we have have been issued, and recently Af- uh, the Taliban uh, trade minister visited Tashkent also with, with some businessman delegation discussing um, cooperation in trade areas. So I think this uh, this is uh, the the situation is getting better, and also I, I think there is all Afghan. Uh, Consul now in Termes, which also means on the border there is also ongoing interaction. Otherwise, you wouldn't need any uh, personnel there if there were no necessary uh, job to work to do.
0: Great, thank you. Um, Jennifer, a uh, question for you. You know, we've talked that the Taliban have made some promises about what they can, or what they Said they can guarantee for Central Asia, but they they made a lot of promises about many things here. That so, you know that they would respect the rights of women, um, that they would have an inclusive government that, that included other groups besides Pashtuns in in the government. That they wouldn't allow their territory to be used for attacks on Central Asia. And so far, none of these promises. Uh, have come true now. Whether that was the reluctance or, or or inability on the Taliban's part, uh, you know, we can speculate on that for a while. But is there a limit to the patience on the Central Asian side of the border, you know, in Uzbekistan in particular? That these are these are nice words to hear, and we all hope that that the Taliban make good on them, but they haven't so far. And and how long do you let this go? And you know, with with promises that are unfulfilled.
2: So, I mean, this is a really great question, and I think we have to remember what Akram has just said here, that these are neighbors and they don't have a choice about who their neighbors are. So I think you're going to see Uzbekistan try to engage with the Taliban as much as they can to try to address these kinds of issues you know even president mirziyoyev and he made a statement to the to the conference <clears throat> and in the, in his statement he said you know he made the same thing the same statements about inclusive government uh, representation and so forth so the official line on that hasn't changed very much at all but what goes on you know informally and in uh, these sort of bilateral relationships is something very different because you know, Uz- Uzbekistan believes it has to engage the Taliban in order to make these changes. Now, I think something that will try the patience of Tashkent will be the uh, the level of terror attacks, the the, um, the bombs, the missiles that come across the border, because Uzbekistan and, and, you know, it's a very curious question, actually, one that Akram and I had discussed previously is uh, why are all the missiles <laughs> headed towards Uzbekistan that has made very nice overtures Uh, to the Taliban and not to Tajikistan, you know, you you do see terrorist organizations, uh, the the Anstrula groups and and new uh, uh, ISIS-affiliated groups emerging, uh, Taji groups emerging in Afghanistan. Uh, but there's lots going on here. And I think that the big bet that, that Uzbekistan in particular has made is that Afghanistan can control this territory, that there can be some level of economic development there for Uzbekistan to carry out its economic development programs, have trade, have commerce to diversify its interests you know, from its neighbors in the north. Uh, and in the East as well, and that the Taliban, in return, could just control its territory and provide that, you know, very Weberian monopoly on violence. And what we're seeing right now is that the Taliban are not able to do that, not clear why, not clear necessarily who's l- l- launching those rockets. Of course, there's some official, yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, there are some speculation about who, who is launching those rockets, uh, but to what degree do the Taliban actually have control over those groups? And, you know, there are some speculation that the Taliban know this this is happening and uh, they're using their leverage, you know, to show uh, Tashkent that they can control this kind of activity. But, you know, another thing to bear in mind is what the Taliban are sort of going through internally. I know that's not necessarily the topic of our conversation, but I think it really is directly related to the Central Asian strategies, because the Taliban are very clearly consolidating their power. They're trying to form a cohesive government. You know, we're we're about to mark the one-year anniversary of the fall of Kabul and the establishment of their authority. And so, in that one year, what have we seen? Well, the, the we've seen major collapse of living standards and economic crisis. The inability of so many ministries to get to, to function. You know, the aid is no longer coming, and and promoting the kind of patronage that it once did. So, you know, the country's really at a crossroads and can this consolidation of power, however, that I think the Central Asian republics really want, that may come at a very heavy price that will drive instability inside of Afghanistan, and that will actually undo the kind of progress that I think Central Asia wants. Now what does this mean? It means that the Taliban are going to are consolidating power and really upsetting those, uh, you know, the, the Tajiks and the Uzbeks inside of the country that you know, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan have long stood by. So the question is, is is how long can Uzbekistan stand by this? You know, if the situation becomes more untenable as, because what Uzbekistan really wants is for the Taliban to consolidate their power and create a very stable state. But I think the question is, can the Taliban do that in a way that really includes the Uzbek and the Tajik groups? Because I think there's a real risk that the only way the Taliban know how to do this is through the use of violence and not through a lot of carrots. And so I wonder, you know, that's gonna generate a lot of instability. I think we're seeing pockets of this emerge already and, how, and, and that may lead to more terror attacks against Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. How long will the Uzbek government, for example, stand by this Taliban government if the security situation deteriorates? That's a question that I have.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Kram. you
1: had a comment? Yeah, exactly, in line what just Jennifer mentioned. So, I, in, in the address of the president of Uzbekistan to the participants of the conference, I've noticed very one very strong message to Taliban. I, ha- I haven't seen such similar statements before. There were some mentioning about the need for Taliban to take control of its territory to reduce terroristic activity and etc. but this time there was a clear message saying that Taliban needs to break up the ties with all international terrorist organizations. So Uzbekistan, as I know, it didn't, haven't used such uh, phrases before. Many other countries said the same, but it was first time uh, which which I think um, that in this context Uzbekistan sent a message to Taliban and to take resolute measures to prevent and counteract contract terrorism in in its all forms and manifestation i think it's a, it's a result of this recent missile attacks which uh, happened from the afghan uh, territory to Uzbekistan.
0: okay good point good point okay we're going to we're coming to the finish line here but there's uh, there's one thing there's actually a couple more things i wanted to raise um, one and tomorrow i'll start with you it seems like you can't have a conversation these days without talking about Russia's war on Ukraine. But, I mean, it does impact Central Asia. We remember last year, after when the Taliban seized Kabul, there was a lot of military exercises in Central Asia over the next couple of months, right? Some of them Russia participated in. Uh, some of them were were just between Central Asian states. But there was always the feeling uh, among most of these countries that that— if things went really bad in, in Afghanistan and stability broke apart and, and spilled over in the Central Asia, they'd be able to turn to Russia. That seems like it's not going to happen at all. How much of the policies that the Central Asians are developing right now toward Afghanistan is also folk, you know, funneled through the fact that they probably can't depend on Russian military help or security help in this situation. And so they they can't, you know, this is, that that is out of the picture now, uh, that you can't turn to Moscow for help in this situation. Um, Is that changing their posturing toward Afghanistan and the Taliban, in your opinion, Timur?
3: I would say this question refers more to uh, Tajikistan, because um, Uzbekistan was never really uh, thinking about Russia as a country that you know a 100% reliable partner in Uzbekistan has always been keeping this distance um with Moscow although during the first presidential term of uh, Shavkat Mirziyoyev we see a lot of you know getting closer between uh, these two countries but still Uzbekistan was in its decision making towards Afghanistan relying only uh, not not maybe only but mainly on its own Power, But when it comes to Tajikistan, Tajikistan was very tough with the Taliban in rhetoric, but it didn't have, you know, intention of getting into direct confrontation with the Taliban. By, you know, taking more risky approach uh, to its neighbor, Tajikistan wanted to kind of boost, I I think the Rahman regime wanted wanted to boost its popularity at home and abroad. Um, And uh, Dushanbe would always keep in mind that uh, they have Russia um, as as um, you know country that uh, in term of um, uh, in case of emergency can come and and help. But now it's kind of changing since we see that you know Russia is not doing uh pretty good um in ukraine and also uh right now we see that russia is seen more as a source of um you know chaos not stability and and i think that is why putin decided to come to tajikistan uh, as, as as his first foreign visit um, after the start of the war because I think in Tajikistan there were growing skepticism towards whether or not they still can rely on Russia as a stable partner and Putin Putin's uh, goal was to uh, make sure that he's not losing uh, Tajikistan as a closest ally that uh, is very valuable at this moment when Russia is losing partners all around the world.
0: Okay, thanks, But I will, and I'll get to you in a second, Akram, I, but I do remember that after after the Taliban seized power, I think, uh, I know Uzbekistan, Russia, and Tajikistan did all do joint maneuvers close to the, the Afghan border, and I think Uzbekistan and Russia actually did some, did a joint exercises in Uzbekistan not long after that, too, and I remember also that Mirzi, uh, President Mirzi sat in on a CSTO session uh, even before the end of August, so uh, I was just kind of curious, as to, you know, but even like I said Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan conducted military exercises, and of course, you know, I mentioned uh, Uzbekistan participated in military exercises with Tajikistan. But those have all gone. I haven't seen any military joint military exercises in Central Asia at all in recent months. Um, so that's why I'm kind of curious if they just if this is a conscious choice not to antagonize the Taliban, a trust-building measure, uh, or if they just realize that uh, you know without. Uh, in Tajikistan's case, certainly, but, you know, without CSTO backing, Russian backing, that it's kind of sobered or or caused some of the Central Asian states to reconsider what exactly their security posture is toward Afghanistan. And Akram, I'm sorry, I I know you have your, you want to say something. Go ahead, please.
1: Oh, uh, thank you for for this opportunity, and maybe I will briefly Share my view on on your last question and also add some comments to what um, uh, Timur said before. We're gonna exercise, of course. Uh, the last year in August, um, when situation in Afghanistan was deteriorating, there was a lot of uncertainty: what will happen in this country very soon. I think that this was a part of this kind of preparation, conducting different uh, military uh, trainings. But at the same time, I should underline that actually Uzbe- it's, it's part of also Uzbekistan's multi-vector foreign policy. Uh, it, it was not just uh, military trainings with Russia uh, and Tajikistan. There were many other trainings with, with um, there were visits of, for example, Indian military to Uzbekistan. They also conducted joint trainings. There were some military trainings in the US, in Pakistan, between the militaries of Uzbekistan and these countries. So it it um, and, and but in the recent months I agree with you that probably there is no need to conduct uh, some trainings because the, the, there is no big activity on this uh, border areas. There were incidents obviously happened on Uzbek-Tajik border. Uh, sorry, uh, Tajik-Afghan border and uh, Uzbek-Afghan border. But they happen not permanently but from time to time. So there is no need to conduct very military trainings on this in this regard. Uh, regarding the implications of the war in Ukraine, I I would like to also to add that this conference was not just about security measures and talks with Taliban on on making some concessions and finding a compromise. The, the second part of the conference was devoted to economic development. In this regard, Uzbekistan emphasized a lot uh, the infrastructure projects, uh, well-known infrastructure projects, which Uzbekistan is now actively promoting, this railway project going to Peshawar in Pakistan, and also the uh, e- e- electricity trans- transmission line, Surkhan uh, pulikhomri And uh, the, the, the presentation of this uh, infrastructure uh, transmission and, and these infrastructure projects is important, especially in the current conditions. When well, Central Asia is facing so many problems in using northern transport corridors due to the co- uh, war in, 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 uh, between Russia and in, in, in Ukraine and because of the sanctions on Russia and Belarus, Now, especially now, Central Asia needs alternative transport corridors and uh, Afghanistan is one of the most important ones and is a key to link Central Asia to uh, South Asia.
0: Thank you. And that's perfect, because uh, this is how I wanted to finish this off on a positive note. Um, you know, and you mentioned, right, that the, the potential of the railway and, of course, the, the other power line that they want to get through there. You know, for years, this has been like one of the theories that people have thrown out there, that that economic cooperation and economic prosperity is the key to stability and and, and good relations between countries. So now we have these projects out there. How much is that true? Again, we're trying to end this conversation on a positive note, and I'll start with Jennifer. Benefits. What do they get uh, benefits from from cooperation with Afghanistan? And also, a little bit, if you could throw in, and, and Tamar, when you get to you, you to also, how much is Central Asia following Uzbekistan's lead on this, too? Uh, you know, is this the opening up a north-south route? Does this put Uzbekistan in the driver's seat, for lack of a better term? But, I mean, it certainly puts them in a more prominent position um, so, can you talk about the benefits and how Uzbekistan is a key driver of potential northeast trade through Afghanistan?
2: I mean, the, the benefits I think right now are, are looking to be enormous. That there are you know trucks going through you know from Uzbekistan into Afghanistan into Pakistan, even even onto India, and uh, you know this is really an important moment for Uzbekistan as you know as Akram and Timur have both mentioned that. Central Asian states are really turning away from Russia and but as it's hard to turn away from Russia when your economies are so dependent on it and I think that this then this these trade routes become a real priority for Uzbekistan and potentially other Central Asian states you know Kazakhstan I'll, I'll let Timur talk about Kazakhstan but a very interesting case of what's happening there. So, you know, what are the benefits? I think we have yet to realize it. I think there's real obstacles, of course, ahead in terms of financing all of these projects. But I do wonder if Uzbekistan uh, keeps its goals more modest, focuses on you know roads rather than rail railways. Uh, we might see some progress. But you know, I've even heard other people speculate that this railroad. Is actually the the a rail link that links uh, Uzbekistan to Pakistan is actually more feasible now than the China Kyrgyzstan Uzbekistan uh, railway, which you know many people uh, thought was you know had a lot of possibilities for moving ahead. I'm I'm not sure that the southern route is actually more feasible at this point, but it's definitely an interesting hypothesis. But I think what this does mean, you know, building on the other comments, is look at Russia's diminished role. I think that this, these activities that we're seeing could be sort of a death knell for things like the Eurasian Economic Union and for the CSTO. We saw, as you mentioned, how Uzbekistan even observed and participated in sort of joint military exercises with Russia. There was, you know, this uncertainty about what would happen in Afghanistan. I don't even think Uzbekistan thought the government would collapse in the way that it did. And there was, and and I think the Russian invasion of Ukraine was also unexpected and led people to look at Russian forces in new ways and really diminished expectations of Russia. So we're really seeing Central Asia come into its own here. And I think that we're seeing so many uh, creative you know, initiatives taken from the region. And you know, to echo what Akram said in the very beginning, this is a Central Asian initiative. And I think this is something that Central Asia should be very proud of as they chart their own course. We're seeing Central Asian states have a lot of power. They are not just pawns of the great powers.
0: Excellent. Thank you. OK, and Tamur, you're going to get the final word on this. Uh, you know, uh, again, um, Kazakhstan, for instance, right, uh, leading exporter of wheat and flour to Afghanistan for the last few years prior to the Taliban coming to power. You know, there's a lot to be gained, not just for Kazakhstan, but other Central Asian states can get on this, too. But the gateway to Afghanistan kind of goes through uh, Uzbekistan at the moment. Are the So part of this question is, are the Central Asian governments, those that want cooperation with Afghanistan, Leaving it to Uzbekistan to deal with the Taliban, and and then what are the benefits for Uzbekistan and more broadly Central Asia from dealing with the Taliban in Afghanistan?
3: I hate to be the um, you know pessimist here. I'm sorry for that, but I don't think that right now we can say that you know Russian dominance in Central Asia is over. Um, I, I still believe that. Even considering Russia's isolation, it still uh, would continue to be one of the most uh, important uh, economic and uh, geopolitical players in Central Asia. But what has really changed is that um, every single Central Asian state's bargaining position uh, on the negotiation table with Russia um, is is much stronger right now. they would get to choose in many questions what are the details of the cooperation. But when we talk about long term, I I really see that um, Uzbekistan right now is leading at least at creating a narrative and creating this route that everyone in Central Asia is following. Even though many are talking about this uh, so-called competition between Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, we see that on the question of Afghanistan, Tashkent is leading, and Kazakhstan mostly echoes what Uzbekistan is saying and doing. Um, and I think, in long term, it will lead to um, a process uh, of, you know, connecting Afghanistan closer to Central Asia, where Uzbekistan will be uh, setting this narrative and will lead to. Um Uzbekistan's kind of more leadership positions um, in the region, at least towards um, Afghan question. And on Russia, I think in long term, it's inevitable that Russia's role in Central Asia uh, will be declining. This is the process that we have been absorbing for decades already. But uh, with every single conflict that Russia has with the West, it's... Driving itself, itself away from Central Asia, and and this is what is happening in the in the long term.
0: Excellent, thank you very much and, and uh, as much as I would love to go on with this conversation for another few hours and just to keep Timur away from the beach for a while longer um, uh, we do have to wrap this thing up so I'd like to say thank you to our guests for a fascinating conversation uh, so thank you Akram Amarov and Jennifer Murtajashvili and Timur Amarov for participating in today's discussion of uh, Afghanistan and Central Asia and, and the future between those two areas uh, and a big thanks of course to to Nathan Shu. Maker uh my medley's podcast producer in washington dc for his fine work and a reminder that you can subscribe to the medley's podcast or the central asian focus newsletter by visiting rfarl's website at rfarl.org thanks for listening and we'll be back next week bye-bye